The Animation Podcast, November 4th, 2007. To infinity, 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 to Hey everybody, this is Clay, and welcome to show number 21 of the Animation Podcast. If you've heard the show before, welcome back, and uh, thanks for hanging in there. And if you're listening for the first time, I'm really glad you're here. Hopefully you'll like the show and uh, subscribe in iTunes and keep listening in the future. You can find a link to easily subscribe from my website at animationpodcast.com, and it is free. First things first, there has been a great development since the last show, which will affect the future of the podcast, and that is that I am very excited to announce that the Animation Podcast is now officially sponsored by animationmentor.com, the online animation school. This is going to be great for the podcast and for you, the listeners. First of all, for me, it's it's nice to have sponsors that are relevant to the show and actually offer services that the listeners would uh, be interested in. And I've mentioned before that I mentored with Animation Mentor in the past, and I've seen firsthand the education they provide, and I do think it's fantastic. And I've also seen Disney hire a few people already that uh, came from Animation Mentor, so I know it works, and uh, they didn't ask for my endorsement. I'm just uh, happy to give it. And this is going to be great for the listeners because I will be able to fulfill the number one request so far, and that is to make more shows. So the plan is to make a new show at least once a month and probably more. And this is really in line with my original intentions when I started the podcast, and I do appreciate Animation Mentor and their support in helping me make this happen. One last thing about the sponsorship before I get to the show, and that is that in the next year I will produce one exclusive podcast for AnimationMentor.com, and it will only be available to subscribers of the Animation Mentor newsletter. And you're not left out in the cold because anyone can subscribe to the newsletter. And as a matter of fact, I recommend you do because it's full of animation tips and uh, links and tons of great info for all levels of animators. So uh, just go to the AnimationMentor.com website and sign up on their homepage. Working in animation, you meet tons of talented people all the time. And after a while, you kind of feel like you have a pretty good handle on who's out there and who's in the industry and... Um, there's always someone that shows up that surprises you and it just blows you away. And for me, Dale Bear was one of those people. I had never heard of him before. And when I was working on The Emperor's New Groove, he came on to supervise the animation of Yzma. And I was like, who is this guy? Where'd he come from? And uh, <laughs> it was a shock to find out that this was a guy who trained at Disney under the Nine Old Men. But uh, I guess I had never heard of him because he had been running his own animation studio on the outside for so many years. And finally decided to return to Disney, and so he came back and he supervised Yzma, and then he supervised uh, Slim in Home on the Range, and then Wilbur in Meet the Robinsons in CG, and now he's working on the upcoming film The Princess and the Frog. So uh, not only is he an amazing animator, but he's probably one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in animation, and um, I'm proud to be able to share my interview with Dale Bear. I guess I was going to first say that I, I first heard about you when um, 
when Kingdom in the Sun was becoming Emperor's New Groove, and Andreas was going to Florida, right? And you were taking over the character of Isma, right. and someone said Dale Bear, and I said, "Well, who's Dale Bear?" <laughs> <laughs> and they said, "Well, have you ever heard of Bear Animation?" I, I looked you up online, and your first credit was an animator on Robin Hood. Right. Where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had been wanting to get into animation since I was like eight years old, you know, and uh, Disney was always the priority to mm -hmm. come here, you know, uh, to work at. And um, um, my grandparents even lived in North Hollywood and I would get my grandfather to drive me by the studio so we could just park on Buena Vista and look at the animation buildings and uh -huh. see pictures of it. and. You know, and that was just you know, just a big dream of mine to do that, you know. And uh, a lot of it, I think, started when my folks, you know, I'll be dating myself, they would take us to the drive-in movies. I, I on, wish we drive-in. <laughs> on the weekends, you know. Because it's the only time they could get out, and it was easy to control kids, you know. Mm -hmm. drive-in movies, you just put pillows in the back seat, and we'll go to sleep, you know, during the feature. But we'll stay awake for the, you know, the first one in the short that usually accompanied the, the double feature and uh, a lot of times it was Disney shorts out there occasionally some Walter Lance which I liked you mm -hmm. know but mostly Disney and uh, I knew that's just what I wanted to do you know I had no idea how you did it I mm -hmm. just knew I wanted to do that you know and uh, but my folks weren't too encouraging about that you know they didn't think it was a practical kind of business to get into being an artist, you know. Right. You know, I thought to be starving in some attic somewhere. But I was just determined. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. In fact, I drove my dad crazy by trying to make, uh, do animation at home. I mean, I even read about some kind of projector they made. You know, I got some encyclopedias. Mm -hmm. But I even tried to figure out how to make a, projector out of a turntable with mirrors and a light bulb in the box and <laughs> and I had a what they call a magnetjector you know one of those things you could put a drawing under and project it on the wall and mm -hmm. blow it up and so I figured how to do that and uh, uh, but I just drive my dad crazy with that junk so did, did you make films as a as a kid you know little stop motion kind of things mm -hmm. you know with a you know little eight millimeter brownie camera that you had to hit the button you know <laughs> yeah. it wasn't the best but it was uh -huh. like you know it, it kept me out of trouble you know for the most part but not not so much drawing a lot of drawing yeah yeah a lot of drawing I wasn't that good at it but uh -huh. you know i still enjoyed it you know and uh, but i wrote i wrote to the studio and to find out where you could learn animation because I had no idea and uh, Willie Reitherman's sister her name was Helen Reitherman was actually working here in I don't know uh, I don't know what office but she actually got my letter and wrote me back and told me about Chenard and Arts Center mm -hmm. so I kind of later on I sort of while I was in high school I sort of investigated those schools and Arts Center at that time either had Stopped their animation program or never even had one. I don't know. They 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 said they didn't have anything like that, so they mm -hmm. suggested Chenard. So and Chenard is that the school that became CalArts? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was actually the, the one I went to. Was actually the original one that all the Disney guys here back the, in the Don Graham thirties and forties, yeah, yeah, went to with, with Don Graham. And where was that located? On um, Alvarado and Seventh 
in Grandview, right huh. near MacArthur Park. Yeah, downtown. Huh? Yeah, it's now a Korean Bible school. You know, <laughs> but the building is still there. Uh-huh. It's an Art Deco building. It's a great building. And we had some annexes up the street, you know, and a couple little storefronts along, I think it was, I think it was uh, Alvarado, no, 7th Street, and uh, where we had an Oxbury camera in there, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, just to protect everybody, we had to lock everybody in there <laughs> on, on the weekend so they could use it. You know, and then it, it was a nice them. neighborhood then too. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't like it would be today, but I mean, you just wanted to protect them, so yeah, you'd actually padlock the place, pack, you know, lock you would, in, you know. But um, and and that was after high school. Yeah, that was after high school. Mm-hmm. But I I went, I got a portfolio ready. I spent like every night, you know, my waking hours. Um, putting together a portfolio to take there and uh, got an interview and uh, but my drawings were so tight I tried to put in every little tiny detail I did I wasn't very good at just loosening up and just you know feeling a little bit somewhat natural with my drawings and they liked kind of what I was doing but they stuck me in qualifying drawing for eight weeks you know before they would even consider putting me in Chenard and what was that program just qualifying drawing. That's all it was. <laughs> what were you drawing? Model sheets? Or no, no figure figures, drawing? figure drawing. Uh-huh. But you know, it was with uh, Watson Cross, who was, was a great teacher over there, and um, he was a crippled guy. And they had his his classes up on the second floor, and there was no elevator, so he had to take the stairs. Mm-hmm. The guy was, you know, was a dedicated man. I'm telling you, he really <laughs> was. But he was a great, great teacher. So I finally, I got through qualifying drawing, thank goodness, and uh, started my couple of years that I was there and uh, got in the animation program because they were thinking of phasing it out. Animation, I don't know, around that time, late 60s, early 70s, was kind of questionable. You know, it was mm-hmm. mostly Saturday morning, not a lot of interest in it you know, with the public, you know, and uh, so they were going to phase it out. So they put me in it like my very first year there and I'm up against third year students in there but I modeled my way through and uh, met a teacher Rudy Lariva who uh, was a director over at Filmation and uh, I wasn't even sure once I got in there and I was seeing what I was capable of doing and not capable of doing I I thought Disney was going to be like out of the question you know so mm-hmm. you know I focused on this teacher who you know, brought in in-betweens for me to do on Sabrina and some of the other shows that Filmation was doing at the time. We figured that's, you know, what I would, would need to learn to do yeah. in order to get a job. At least you business. could do that probably. At least if I could do that, okay. Yeah. Let me get my foot in the door and then I'll, you know, I'll figure out what I'm going to do after that. Well, as hard as he tried to get me a job there, um, he just couldn't seem to... To, to wrangle it so a few years before like in 1966 I had my mother take me I was 16 I didn't have a driver's license or, or a car so but she took me to I, I had made an appointment with Lou Scheimer at Filmation of all people mm-hmm. just to look at my drawings to see if I could you know if I could even get into this business you know and uh, he you know graciously you know invited me over to look at my work mm-hmm. and it was very encouraging you know and it was exciting because it was the first time I got to step into a an animation studio 
and talk to somebody in animation. And uh, so I went back and I was kind of encouraged about it. And uh, when Rudy Lariva was, wasn't able to get me into filmation, I I got sort of desperate, you know, because you know, the school was shutting down in Los Angeles and becoming CalArts and Valencia. Mm-hmm. Tuitions were going up. There was no way I could get through it, you know. I only got through my first two years because of some VA money my dad left me after he died and a small inheritance when my grandmother left me. So it's about all I could manage. And, and you had really no fallback. I had no fallback. So I, one, one day I just called Lou Scheimer and he actually talked to me on the phone. I didn't have to go through, you know, 20 people in order mm-hmm. to get to him, you know, and or, or just send a letter or something like that, you know. It was a... He picked up the phone. And he ran the studio, right? Yeah. yeah. And he talked to me. And he says, I'll tell you what, you come on down here Monday morning and we'll see what we can do. So I showed up there first thing Monday morning and he introduced me to Don Christensen, who was head of layout, which is the department I wound up starting in. And uh, I actually enjoyed it better. I didn't know if I would because you have to do the backgrounds and the character placements and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I thought, I don't know if I can do this. And he, but I... And I really enjoyed doing that. Plus, I could add like twenty poses of a character and feel like I'm animating this <laughs> yeah. thing, you yeah. know. You know, instead of really doing limited animation, which wasn't really what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I was quite content in there, and I spent seven months there. And uh, what were some things you worked on? Uh, the Jerry Lewis show, the famous Jerry Lewis show, <laughs> <laughs> like whatever, one season. I think they did um, Return to Oz, an animated version of Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever even seen that out anywhere. Oh, it's know. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think a few companies sell and, the same version. Oh, okay. And then we did like presentation work, which I really liked doing, you know, because you could get in there and the magic markers and, you know, the oh, whole shipping, uh-huh. you know. For like pitching shows? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you get them all ready for Lou Scheimer to take to New York to, to pitch and and, uh, you know, sometimes we did all-nighters there, which was kind of cool, sleeping on the floor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, felt like a real animation studio. Felt like a real animation studio. So I was quite happy there. You know, I, I didn't want to see it end. But, mm-hmm. you know, the reality of that business is layoff time. Every year about, you know, November, December, somewhere in there, they always laid everybody off around the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. So people who worked in there would, you know, squander their money and... So they could survive over like a three, four month, you know, period. And uh, uh, there was a couple ladies there that I got to know. One was Jane Philippi, who was Charles Philippi's wife, who was was a famous layout man here. Mm -hmm. And a gal named Doris Plough, and both sweet ladies. And they said, you know, you don't need to be here, you know. We know somebody at Disney said, you know, and we found out that they're starting a training program there. And this is, this is early 71, 1971. And uh, Doris Plough went and had lunch with Andy Engman, who was head of animation at that time. And uh, he used to be an effects animator here. You know, this is why it's kind of great the way John Lasseter is coming in and all the animation people, because it takes you back to when animation people ran the studio mm-hmm. you know and went into management but they knew everybody's idiosyncrasies wow. <clears throat> and uh, she came back from lunch with an application for me 
So I filled it out, and no sooner had I done that, like a week later, I was laid off anyway. So I probably had a week wondering what was going to happen, and I got a call from Andy Ingman, or actually not a call, a letter. It said, please come and see me on such and such a day. Mm-hmm. Had I you, still had that you letter. submitted uh, artwork or just to, I submitted artwork, uh, mostly the artwork I was doing there. And one which, there's a story about that, which I'll get into in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but so I went to see him and uh, here I am walk, driving onto the Disney lot, which is like I thought I would never ever do. And uh, With an invitation. Yeah. <laughs> and met with him and they hired me on the training program, which was just a three-week program, mm-hmm. where you do in a, a couple animation tests, whatever, and uh, then they see, then they review you after three weeks and see if you're going to cut it. So while I was there, you know, I went through the three weeks. I paid you 125 dollars a week to sit in somebody's room, which was awesome in itself. And uh, so I wound up spending like 12, 14 hours a day there for every day you yeah know. was it um like the same building as the regular animation studio? yeah it's the old animation building across the street mm-hmm. and uh the test we had to do was was a goofy test because woolly Ryderman was putting this whole thing sort of together with everybody and sort of you know since he was the goof man at one time yeah. thought that would be a great great test to do which it was and uh but once again i started putting in all the detail on this character. I was breaking my my back trying to impress somebody, you know, mm-hmm. putting every whisker on Goofy's muzzle, every stitch on every patch that he had on his clothes. You know, I was just going at it, you know, thinking this is what they want to see, you know. And uh, <clears throat> lucky for me, I went to lunch one day and Andy Amon just started prowling around and to see what I was doing. And then calls me aside and says, you know, why don't you try loosening up a little bit, you know? And I'm thinking, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Draw sloppy. <laughs> so, yeah, what did you want to see? A few more little sketch lines on top of all of this? I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, i I got to figure out what the hell they're talking about. So I went I went to the morgue, which is was in the basement of the ink and paint building where they stored all the animation drawings. And I just started rifling through, you know, I asked the guy there, he says, where would some of the, artwork be for some goofy shorts you know and he pointed me to this one wall and I just started rifling through this stuff but every one of them was cleanup drawings I mm-hmm. could not find any roughs Yeah. but then I was flipping through one scene and out pops a John Sibley rough of Goofy which was just a quick circle for the head a shape for the muzzle a pear shape for the body you know mm-hmm. and sticks from the arms and nothing so well, maybe this is what they mean, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I copied that, you know. I took it back and I start. I started all over. I just started drawing him that way. Put some little dots on there for eyes, for eye direction, and that's what they wanted to see. Did you find that hard to do? At first, I did, but then I'm thinking, well, boy, I can get through this thing fast. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty. Kind of draw everything. I'll have this test done in no time, and uh, so finally. I got it done and my three weeks were up and they had postponed the review from that Friday till the following Monday, you know, so I had no idea what was going to happen. So I took the longest walk around the back lot 
because I thought I was never going to see it again. You know, it's when they had the Western set and the mm-hmm. residential set and all this kind of stuff. And just looking at it, sitting on some porches and just contemplating what I was going to do next if, if they said no. Uh, so finally, you know, Monday I show up and and I sit in the room that I was, you know, given and uh, waiting and Don Duckwall, which is what his real name was, Don Duckwall, mm-hmm. who was production manager at the time, came in and says, they want to see you upstairs. So I thought, oh God, you know. <laughs> everybody wants to tell me no or what what's going to happen so I go upstairs he takes me into Woolley's office and of course everybody you know all the six of the nine old men are all around in the office in this office oh. and, and you you knew everybody who was there right not really no I knew by by photographs uh-huh. but the only one that I not really kind of met but when I started the first week I was there, Don Duckwall brought this gentleman into the room and says, Johnny here will let you use his moviola if you need to use a moviola. And Johnny's just down the hall. Turns out it was John Lounsbury. You know, and of course, I'm going through the only book I've got that's got everybody's pictures. And what book was that? It was the Bob Thomas book on the, Art of the making of Sleeping Beauty, the Art of Walt Disney. Yeah. You know? And it just shows them all in the sweatbox, you know, pointing at the screen and all this kind of stuff. And it turns out that's what that's who it was. But I'm walking up and down the halls during the day, wondering if this guy's so and so or if this guy's so and so. You know, I couldn't tell. You know, because they all just came to work, went into their office. I had no idea where anybody's office was. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have time to wander I around. Didn't have time to wander around. I just I wanted to focus. You know, because I was you know I just wanted to be there so bad. And uh, so they bring you into the room with. Six of the nine old men. <laughs> There's Lounsbury, Eric Larson, Willie Reitherman, Milt Call, Frank Thomas, and Ollie Johnston, all sitting around this table. I can't believe that. <laughs> I swear, and this is some little thing I just kept going in my head. It was like going to Mount Olympus and meeting the gods. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. And I was scared to death. You know, I couldn't speak. I couldn't do anything. I'm shaking. <laughs> <laughs> And Willie even, you know, they all said, you know, congratulations, you know, you know, we want to hire you, you know, would you like to see your stuff up on the big screen? And I just said, no, <laughs> no, please, no. And he was kind of shocked by it, you know, because he thought, you know, it's exciting to see your stuff on the big screen. I thought, no, I can't even stand to look at it on the little screen, let alone the big one. So I finally got to start there. Wound up doing um, rough in-betweens for Frank. And Ollie, you know, mm-hmm. uh, through Ollie's assistant and with Frank, through Frank and, and his assistant, Dale Oliver, they would give me stuff like that to do. And what I would do then, too, is just to keep animating, keep trying to animate, was to went upstairs to the story room, you know, and looked at the, went down the main hall and looked at all the uh, development sketches like you see around here all the time. And uh, picked one that I thought would be fun to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, would just copy that and take it back and just animate something. And uh, periodically, you know, you know, take it up to Wooly to show him. I mean, he wanted to see this stuff. And mm-hmm. he was, you know, easy to get to, you know. Just had to walk up and ask And he was directing. Stuff, and he was directing and producing. But it was like, it was like 
you didn't have to go through umpteen channels to get to somebody, mm-hmm. you know. You just walked in, asked the secretary if Willie was busy, and she'd say, Willie, you want to, you know, you got five minutes, you know, and they'd say, sure, come on in, you know. And you just go on in there. But then you start, now you felt like comfortable to mill around and meet people, you know, mm-hmm. and you found out where everybody was sitting, and you'd go in and you'd talk to them, you know. And you sort of, wound up finding the people you sort of migrated to the people that you felt most comfortable with you know and with for me frank was very analytical ollie was not so much ollie was pretty good to work with milt he had the reputation of having the temper so you kind of stayed clear of his door you gave it a wide berth as you walked around you know although he really wanted to help people you yeah. know young people and, uh, I, mean, I know that he's had the reputation of, of doing a lot of drawings for everybody just to yeah. get things on model. Yeah. But, um, he was really interested in developing talent as well. Yeah, he really was. Yeah. He just he just had a hard time communicating, you know, verbally, mm-hmm. you know, how he felt, you know. And, and he would show his impatience with things, you know, and he, and he couldn't explain what it was that he didn't like about it. But, you know, he would just sit there and. You know, because you know this 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 isn't right. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, trying to be like, it. just give me that and let me do it. It's <laughs> just about yeah. yeah. And uh, but this whole training program actually started within the studio with guys from traffic and and you know the mailroom art props mm-hmm. and stuff, and then they started bringing people from the outside. I was the first one from the outside, and then uh, uh, working with Frank was really kind of hard because you're listening to him talk and he is so analytical about things and timing and, and, and you know, you name it. And it just confused the heck out of me. You know, it was like one of those things you probably was storing in the back of my brain and it wasn't going to come out for, you know, 10, 20 years. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But the people I wound up gravitating to was Lounsbury, Eric Larson, and Hal King, who was not one of the nine old men, but he was still a good character animator there. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one by the name of Cliff Nordberg, and and both he and Hal King were sort of in this, not quite the same level, because Hal King at times was a supervising animator on some films and things like that, but never got into the the elite group of of the nine. Right. But they all had a tendency to open their, you know, their doors and, and call you in and put something up in the moviola and they would even put it up in their own moviola. You wouldn't even have to do it, you know. And they'd look at it and, and give you some encouraging words about where you're going with it. They wouldn't, you know, they had the patience of, of like nobody I've ever met. And uh, they, you just, I just found myself more comfortable down in that group than with mm-hmm. the other group, mm-hmm. you know. As much as I could have learned from the others, you know, I just didn't feel like I was good enough to, to be Right. Yeah, and I know the feeling. You don't want to waste their time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I felt like I was frustrating them sometimes, you know. But then I would go to the to B wing, which is where Lowndes and Eric and 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 Hal King were, and and, and uh, just felt easier. It just felt easier. You just felt comfortable, and you could get some of the input you wanted. And you know, Hal King would always just tell me, he "says Well, you know, there's a thousand ways we can do this, but let's take yours and." See if we could make it better. That's nice. You know, yeah. so you knew your ideas were there, you know, but yeah, yeah, just show me what I can do to, to make this thing really work. Mm-hmm. You know? And are these um, just tests you're doing aside from their production? Yeah. In between yeah. you're working on? And yeah. this is all Robin Hood? Yeah, it's on Robin Hood. Yeah. 
In fact, what I was trying to do, in fact, I did one test in uh, Lounsbury told me to, why don't you take this up to, to uh, Don Griffith and have him do a layout for you for this thing. I thought, really? You know? <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you mean you're not going to like, you don't like my layout? <laughs> and, you know, he says, let's make it look, let's give it some punch. Let's make it look really professional and we can run it by Wooly, you know. So, okay. That's, that's you know, nice. He says, maybe, uh, maybe he'll, Wooly will like it and we'll cut it in. You know, I thought, you're kidding me, you know. So, nothing like that ever really happened. I mean, it never got cut in, but, you know, it kept, they kept giving me more animation, you know, to do. And I finally wound up getting production work because of that. Hmm. But uh, this whole, it was like, to me, this whole place was like a gentleman's club, you know. It was such a laid back, atmosphere and to be able to for me a 20 year old kid to go upstairs and ask a layout man to give me a layout and he's put his stuff aside and took my work and, mm-hmm. and did it for mm-hmm. me you know yeah in less than a day you know i mean that was astounding yeah. you know and uh, didn't even need a charge number for it or anything like that <laughs> and uh what, what, what was the schedule like i mean were, were people doing work quickly or just taking their time and doing it right or what was what was the attitude? I mean, it was six years after Walt had passed away, and w- yeah. was there like this this the ghost of Walt in the halls, or, or had people? You know, you still felt like people were wondering how Walt would do it. The schedules were still the same. There was like a four year window to do a, a picture, so mm-hmm. you, there was never um, the kind of hours that we put in here now. You know, we didn't have that then. But then again, the the level of of uh, complicated you know complicated shots and staging and and design and stuff like that didn't exist then either. It yeah. was very simple. It's very basic. I mean, they did the the Xerox overlays for the backgrounds and just did washes underneath and plopped that down. Mm-hmm. You know, the characters were relatively simple. You know, color wise and everything. So, in fact, I think the most overtime we ever put in was maybe. 10 hours a week, you know, and mm-hmm. that was only for a couple months, you know, mm-hmm. and that was about it. And, and the crews were pretty and small. The crews were small. I mean, if you look at a, if you look at the screen credits on Robin Hood or the Rescuers, yeah, that was it. that's why I asked that because that was it looked it. like there were maybe, <laughs> maybe 20 guys, 20 animators, yeah. maybe, and yeah. half of them were half of the nine old men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, you had like maybe two effects, main effects guys and, and, you know, uh, couple of the younger guys working under them mm-hmm. you know you basically had you know like you say about maybe 10 15 animators yeah on the thing and they didn't give ink and paint credit so that's why the credits go by real quick because you know they didn't give all those gals and the checkers and, mm-hmm. and xerox the credit you know like they do now so it was very small i mean you knew everybody and it was a nice, tight-knit little group. You just went from one movie to the next movie to the next movie. It wasn't... Mm-hmm. You didn't have the baseball trading like you do now where you wonder what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And putting your reel together all the time. Everybody knew what you did and, you know, knew what to give you to do, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I get and, a sense that there was a lot of... Just, I mean, obviously, just um, people looking at each other's work and helping each other and giving feedback. It's a, kind of a circular thing, but... Yeah. I can't say there's a lot of that nowadays. No, I, but you know what? I'm noticing some of it now that we have we have assistants now that help us with 
overlap on sleeves and hair and, and wrinkles and stuff like that, you know, the, mm-hmm. to take it off our hands, you know, give us an extra, you know, day to do something else, you know. Yeah. And they're quite a group because they uh, they meet every Monday down in the lab. They're, every night they're working on their own tests, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just I, was, like, I was really excited to hear that they're doing that. Yeah. I, mean, I just, thought I want to be a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was just like, well, a bunch of us were doing, you know, yeah. in our off hours, you know. And uh, they get, you know, so they, they send me paths almost weekly, you know. Could you take a look at this and let me know what you think because this is what I'm working on. And so I will and went down there yesterday to see what they're all doing, mm-hmm. which was really kind of neat, you know. And they're, they love the feedback, you know. There's this energy there that, you know, was missing for a long, long time in this business, yeah. you know. Because... A lot of times people, there were a couple at, on the training program, or early, not on the training program, but early on when I was starting, that uh, just wanted to animate. You know, they didn't want to worry about, in fact, the studio made the mistake of almost rolling out the red carpet for them because they knew they had to get animators in the studio because these guys were thinking of retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lounsbury had passed away, you know, so they didn't know what was going to happen. You know, so a lot of times, a lot of them, they basically rolled out the red carpet and they bypassed learning how to in between, learning how to clean up. They had no idea what that's, what the process was. You know, they didn't know what to look for on like a good in between. Mm-hmm. They just wound up getting animation right off the bat. And you could tell, I mean, there's a period where the movies looked like it. The yeah. animation just was not up to par, but it was passable. Now that energy's back here because these kids they don't they want to do anything that you you throw at them mm-hmm. you know they don't care yeah you know they just love the fact that they're here and that they're doing it and uh, it's funny too because I think most of them uh, I don't think they've done two D animation no so it's in a, fact it's, a lot it's of like them, the same mentality but a totally different format yeah and a lot of them didn't even go like to Cal Arts or something like that they they there's these online schools yeah animation mentor yeah animation yeah. mentor and acme animation i think is yeah. another one yeah. and uh i mean it still costs them i mean they're still legitimate you know places to learn animation but mm-hmm. animation mentor you know a lot of the animators here are, are teachers yeah. on that and that's where this thing started when they found out what the studio was kind of looking for i guess or they suggested i'm not sure how the whole thing got totally off the ground but they went through recommendations from some of the guys here. Yeah. And uh, so that was kind of interesting, too, because it seems like it's a little bit more open now for people to, to find a job here. Yeah. You know, a little bit easier. Yeah. As long as you've got the talent. I mean, it's funny because it seems like animation is growing again. It is growing again. It's like going through another renaissance. It's like the, like the third or fourth one I've experienced at this business. <laughs> Because there was a time, I think it was 1972, the studio was actually thinking of liquidating the animation department because mm-hmm. it just wasn't making any money. Right. You know? And they, they thought, why should we be wasting our time doing this when we'll just put out cheap live action movies and you know and yeah. just re-release the computer things. that wore tennis shoes and <laughs> yeah. Well, see, it was a time too when they didn't have video, they didn't have DVDs out there. They released a movie every seven years. And they, they saw a profit. I think they re, re-released Snow White about that time. 
71 or 72, I can't remember exactly, and it made $11 million. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to put anything into it, no ad work, no nothing. They just threw the movie out there, you know. They had Prince in the Vault, I guess, and they just threw it out there in the theaters and made $11 million. I thought, wow, you know, why don't we just do this? It's pretty amazing. (laughs) And Roy Disney Sr. was still here. He saw, uh, about that time, I think, uh, Hanna-Barbera came out with Charlotte's Web. And while he looked at what they made Charlotte's Web for and what it made at the box office and said, why can't we do that? And we're all thinking, don't, don't do this stuff. Don't do this stuff. <laughs> I didn't have to even leave filmation if I were going to be doing something like this. Yeah. You know? and, uh, but fortunately, they got, he got shot down about with, with that kind of you know, idea. And uh, it was true. I mean, they were, you know, Hanna-Barbera was touting, like, when Heidi's song came out, it was their first fully animated, you know, full-length feature. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they just had characters just moving around for no rhyme or reason, you know. Yeah. That was full animation to them. So animation was kind of looking kind of dismal. Plus, I think even Saturday morning stuff was kind of, I think there was a drought there for like nine months or something like that, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. And so it was looking pretty sad, you know. And I had no idea what the hell I was going to do. I had, I didn't try to study something else for like a, a backup, you know. I never took auto shop in school or, you know, wood shop, you know. And I failed math miserably, so I couldn't get into industrial drawing like my dad wanted me to do. So mm-hmm. it's like respectable <laughs> artwork. <laughs> what am I going to do, you know? And then all of a sudden it just turned around. I forget what happened, but everything just turned around and animation got this renewed interest. And all of a sudden everybody was busy in this town. And, and what, what period are you talking about? Like right after Robin Hood or right it Rescuers? Was, or it was, it... I think it was around Robin, the time of Robin Hood. Really? You know. And then after, because after Robin Hood, you know, the studio got excited again. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to start you know, seeing what kind of other talent they had in the studio, you know, through assistance and stuff like that. So we were doing Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2, and what they did for that was that they would they would hand out the same shot to, like, five different guys. And in Sweatbox, they would see which one looked the best, and that's the one that was in the, in the movie. <laughs> that's funny. And so a lot of assistants who had nothing to do found themselves animating mm-hmm. for the first time in their life, you know. You know, outside of getting little secondary pieces of animation to do in a shot, you know, overlapping dress or sleeves or something like that, you know, now they got to animate a a real scene. It's kind of interesting, but then at the same time, you think that must really shoot them down when their stuff isn't, you know, isn't accepted yeah, out yeah. of five guys. You know, it's like a contest, and what's what's to motivate motivate them to do the next one, and then, and right, then the next one after that, one in know? five chance. Yeah, because yeah, we're on it for a year. So, Were you in that pool of... No, I was... You were already I was, animating. I was already animating, so I was safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what were some of the shots you worked on, like on Robin Hood or, or Winnie oh, the Pooh? Just a lot of incidental stuff during like the uh, the tournament sequence of mm-hmm. the fight and the chase and um, pretty much anything that they would just throw at me, you know. Tidbits here and there, yeah. you know. Nothing spectacular, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Then after that was over, you know, then we went out to, to rescuers and, you know, I mean, then you start pulling more talent in from the outside. Yeah, I mean, these know. are really the years when you start seeing names in the credits that are, are still working. 
Yeah. And and they're basically leading the animation industry today. I think around 74 is when Glenn Keane came in, when Ron Clements came in. Don Bluth was already there. Don Bluth came in. And John Pomeroy. Yeah. Don Bluth came in about, yeah, and Pomeroy both, I think they came in about 72. But Don was sort of took over that place. You know, there was just something about him that was, you know, he, he was able to take control very quickly. Right after Rescuers, I think we got into doing Pete's Dragon. And that's when when he was given the job of directing the animation on Pete's Dragon. I couldn't draw that dragon for, for nothing, you know. And <laughs> and uh, working with Don was not an easy task, you know, at all. And uh, so that's about the time I left. Mm-hmm. I was in the middle of Pete's Dragon. You know, mm-hmm. just, you couldn't see anything happening. I was like, all the nine old... Or, who was left of the nine old men had left. Right. Eric was still upstairs teaching, you know, but he was like the only one left. And Frank and Ollie were making their book. Frank and Ollie were making their book Mm -hmm. and, you know, coming in as consultants here and there, I think. Yeah. So I kind of went in and, and, you know, Andy Engman had retired and Ed Hansen had taken over his job. So, you know, Ed and I, you know, got along really well and, he could, they, you could almost see the writing on the wall. A lot of the guys could see it. You know, it didn't look like Disney Animation was going to go anywhere again. Now that those guys had left, they thought it was going to take off. And then Don came in, and, and the thing just the the mood around the place was kind of odd. You know, mm-hmm. plus they were working on their own project on the outside, which so they a lot of focus was on that more than it was on on the Disney project. Was basically. that something that ever got made? Uh, originally, yes, it did. It, got, it was banjo. Oh, the woodpile cat. The woodpile cat. Yeah. yeah. But there was something going on there that I just couldn't figure out. You know, I mean, I would, I would get a pencil test done, and I would take it to Don's room, but then there would be a big sign on the door saying, "Do not enter. Do not disturb. Meeting in progress." You know, mm-hmm. and you knew they weren't talking about Peach Dragon. They were talking about banjo. Yeah, the so I would go into Lorna Pomeroy's room, which was right next door, and. There was a crack under the door about the size of a 35 millimeter film. And I would slide my pencil test on the door and go back to my room and just wait. So there was just something there that just was not feeling comfortable. I thought, well, maybe it's maybe it's time for a change, you know. And uh, Was it a difficult thing or was it a fairly easy thing for you to, because it had changed so much, I guess? Well, it was like, it was, it had changed so much that it just wasn't the Disney I thought it would it should have been, you yeah, know, or, yeah. or it was, you know, and, uh, cause there was just something about being there with, with the Milts, the Franks, the Ollies and the Lounsberries and the Eric's that just was stimulating, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there were different, you people. felt secure for yeah. some reason, you know, and then when Lounsbury passed away and then, you know, Eric went upstairs to teach and slowly all these jobs Willie were, passed away. And, yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, Willie had passed away some, Years later, Willie was going to wound up just producing. He wasn't even directing anymore, so uh-huh. he was sort of producing, and uh, so his involvement wasn't even there. So it's like these guys just sort of like disappeared yeah. into the, yeah, the, the woodwork <laughs> somewhere, and it just wasn't a comfortable atmosphere anymore. So fortunately, I had a friend from Filmation that I had roomed with there, and she had worked at Disney's years before that, back in the forties. In fifties, and uh, her name was Retta Davidson, and uh, she was working for Ralph Bakshi. And she says, 
well, why don't you come on over here? You know, in fact, in fact let's go to this. You know, I think it was, uh, I forget what film it was that was out at the time. Wizards was out in mm-hmm. the theaters at the time. She says, why don't we go out and see Wizards and you can see what, what kind of work he does. You know, so I said, okay. So we went into Hollywood and went to the movies. And I'm looking at this bizarre movie. You know, thinking what the hell? <laughs> but then there was something about it that I'm thinking, this guy's got guts, you know, because I've, you know, he's taken animation to another level you know? dimension, and I, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, you know, so I said, well, let me just set up an interview with him, just see what he says. You know, I'm still employed. You know, I had nothing to to lose, so I met with him. He's a, a funny guy. I respect him a lot. I mean, I, really do. I mean, the guy's got guts, you know, yeah. and uh, he's a one of the biggest characters in this in this town and uh, he not only offered me twice as much money as I was making but he asked me when I could start and I'm thinking oh shoot you know <laughs> this is cool uh-huh. and um, they were starting on Lord of the Rings uh, I thought well that, maybe that'll be fun you know so I went back and sort of turned into my notice and talked to Ed Hansen you know got his blessing basically so I didn't wasn't burning bridges I didn't want to burn a bridge you know mm-hmm. I mean I still had a passion for this place, so I just didn't know what I was, you know, what my future was going to be like here. Yeah. And uh, so I packed up my bags and left and went to work in Hollywood for Ralph Bakshi, which was like a great growing up place. I mean, here at the studio at that time, you felt so protected. You know, you walk in those gates, nobody can, nobody can touch you. Mm-hmm. you know? Out there, you're out there in the world, you know, you're vulnerable. You have to learn. You have to grow up fast, you know, which is what I think I kind of needed in a way, you know, just get a little bit more maybe self-respect and stuff like that. That concludes part one of my interview with Dale Bear, and we will finish up the interview on the next podcast. Ah, feedback. I would love it if you shared some feedback or commented on this show or any past shows, and you can do that by going to my website at animationpodcast.com. And you can leave a comment or send an email or a voice recording to me. There aren't any new listener voicemails for this show, but if you'd like to, you're always welcome to record one and send it in. I also want to thank anyone that has left a comment for this podcast in iTunes and the iTunes Music Store because it's a great way for people who are browsing the store to uh, find the show. And if they come across it and they see some nice words from you guys, um, hopefully they'll sign up and give it a listen. So um, I appreciate that always. Again, I want to welcome AnimationMentor.com, the online animation school, as our first sponsor for the Animation Podcast. And please go to their website and sign up for their free monthly newsletter so you're sure not to miss my exclusive podcast with them later this year. So that's it for this show, and I look forward to seeing you guys soon and more often, and thanks for tuning in.